to the Women's Cycling Weekly podcast. I'm Tilda and I do not usually intro this podcast but I am today because I am joined by a very special guest, Amy Lauren Jones, the founder of this very newsletter podcast empire we are trying to create. It is the newsletter's second birthday and so to celebrate we're switching things up a little bit and I am interviewing Amy. Amy, how are you today? You did a way better job at that than me and you didn't shout. So you're the new boss around here. I'm coming for your job. You'll probably do a better job than I would. Um, yeah, hi. This is weird. That was weird. The role is switched. Weird. I mean, how do you feel? I quite like it. Yeah. I like being the um center of attention. I'll... Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I'm rubbish, as we know, at these intros. So I think not having to do that is quite nice just sitting here listening to you but you made me sound very um official and important which I'm not sure I feel well the way you crack the rap the quack (laughs) (laughs) what do I do do I quack am I a dog yeah honestly this this is all going in unedited this is the real us um I was gonna say the way you crack the whip around here it's very clear you're the boss, but yeah. What are you talking about? I was the one making cups of tea last week. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> You've got the intern job. But no, anyway, look, we're here to talk about two years of the newsletter. So shall we kind of start at the beginning? Tell us the origin story of the Women's Cycling Weekly newsletter. Yeah, so basically I kind of wrote about this in the... Um, what we call I always want to call it a dish content that's how we talk about it between each other but in the subscriber um, only newsletter and it started really with me just kind of during lockdown 2020 being directionless and switching up into interviewing at the the first instance Ashley Moore and Passio because I just felt like trying it out and I liked it and it got put on the Willow website uh and then my friend David the photographer was like do you want to go cover the first races I think there was something in between that like I mean I must have spoken to him about wanting to do it he didn't just like randomly see this one thing that I did and was like yes you um but yeah we went to these races in Pamplona the one day classics over there that are unpronounceable because they're Basque um is that right am I offending people there it's not the Basque country is it it's but the language I'm pretty sure look that's a kind of win it's difficult all the k's and f's and everything yeah 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 yeah. the Navarra classics let's go with that which are still around Mm -hmm. yes um and it was my first time being on the other side of the fence at a bike race because before that I was the one getting my head kicked in by all the really good riders um and but it was weird because it was um COVID times and everyone had to wear masks and test and no one knew what to do with it it was kind of chaotic because no one everyone was trying to figure out the testing thing like it became part of the course eventually but 
teams were getting chucked off the race because they didn't get the right test from the right place or they just didn't know where to go or they didn't know how to do it because like at that point like um it wasn't accessible like it is now um so I did those wrote about it for cycling tips and cycling news uh and then a few months later ended up at the Giro Rosso um my first and at the moment last time covering that race or that's the only time I've done it I should say um which was back in the days when it was run by the other the old organizers who were a bit all over the shop to say the least um but it was an experience um a lot went down that was the year they had that gnarly gravel stage that was a total disaster really for everybody apart from Anamique who even though she, I think she crashed at the bottom of the gravel climb, still won the stage by like, I don't know, a minute or something crazy like that. Um, And yeah, just like really enjoyed it, came back and I was like, oh, I was just getting into the swing of this. Like I enjoyed being at the races and being smug because I wasn't the one having to put lycra on my body and go and race for how many hours. Um, Felt, I really enjoyed the writing um probably my writing back then was like a really laborious process that I thought I needed to sound really like clever and nowadays it's like bashing out a race report from the press room um but yeah and then but the thing was is that the season was basically over like there was nothing else to write about um it was already like the end of September um and I was like thinking about it and I had actually towards the beginning of 2020 thought uh about because I'd looked at all the cycling websites and I just thought where's the women's content like why is nobody talking about women really like I'd go on the home pages and sort of count up like how many stories there were about women's racing versus men's and I just thought like that's a bit rubbish like um and to also give a bit of an idea about the name or the URL of this news and not the actual name of it um, and my email address that goes with it. Um, at the time, I was a bit obsessed with um, the fashion website Man Repeller, which is now just called Repeller and is now defunct, actually. Um, but I was a bit obsessed with it. Um, it was about um, fashion, basically, that men don't really understand, like out there clothes that men are just like, what the hell are you wearing? Um, that's like the original premise of it if anyone doesn't know um and from that in my brain I was like oh mammal repeller because mammals middle-aged men in lycra and then so I like you I got the I just put in the url and substack I'd actually done it in March which I didn't realize I didn't remember until the other day when I was looking back at all the posts and there was one from March we were looking at the stats and it kind of like flat lines between March and November (laughs) like as if nothing happened which it didn't um so there I was in November that year and I was like oh maybe I just do my own thing with this like I'll re- reignite this substack uh and I wanted it from the beginning to be more than just like racing stories and stuff about racing and I actually went back through um old articles like recommend kind of stuff that maybe people have forgotten about like interviews with people and things like that which actually yeah we should do that again we should like have like a something you know an interview or story from yeah Mm. I don't mind that idea actually um and yeah I can't 
I should probably go back and actually look at what I put in that original one. I think there was an interview with Ina yes. Thunberg. We should revisit. Um, should we live revisit the first edition? Let's do a live review. Um, <laughs> and one. Yes. Yeah, I was like numbering them. I think that I didn't put one at the first one, but yeah. And so, yeah, that kicked off. And then it kind of just went from there. Like it snowballed. Into... You did put one. Did I put one? Am I? Mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord. I obviously yes. knew. So anyway, I'm looking. You keep keep telling me. So yeah, after the first one, um, got some pretty nice feedback, which was cool. Um, oh, made a really like slightly rubbish logo on Photoshop, which I had access to at the time. Or was it Canva? No, it was Photoshop. Um, which actually, spoiler slash, not actually that exciting to anyone apart from us probably. But we're getting a new one very soon, which is a lot better and professionally done so um if that yeah. is progress I don't know what it is I think that is the ultimate marker of we've made it we have an actual graphic designer making a logo for us is that what we should be spending money on we're the bosses so um <laughs> but um yeah it kind of grew uh people were really supportive if you've been there since the beginning you're a legend uh and then editors kind of started to take an interest and to be honest I think without realizing it sort of caught the wave or the rising tide of of women cycling at the time where editors were like we need to cover more of this and we need somebody who can write about it and who knows about it so a lot of them were just like oh you know about women cycling do you want to do this so by the next season I had a lot of um connections and a lot of options to write about cycling and go to races and stuff like that so yeah I think yeah I think it's also worth saying when you talk about the the rising tide of women cycling that I obviously started out as a reader of the newsletter I think I subscribed around issue two we looked back at that as well the other day um, was I like not following you on Twitter or something and you're like <laughs> look we can get to that we can get to that but my point my point is that everyone a lot more people were getting into women's cycling around that time but still didn't necessarily know where to find all of the best women's content and you know having to look through cycling news and velo news and cycling weekly and ruler and on youtube and all of this to just find all these little bit of content content scattered around and so actually having the newsletter which it did a lot more than that but one of its main things was bringing together all of those things each week like I would read it every week and there would always be something I'd missed because you can't see everything in a week and yeah it kind of it's a it was a very easy way to like really keep yourself engaged with the sport and understanding everything that was going on and finding out new things so I think it really for me helped me broaden and deepen my knowledge of the sport um and I, I think that's what readers liked about it so glad yeah no that was that was definitely the the kind of reason behind it was to just because I was doing the same thing I was also like god how am I supposed to keep track when everything just gets buried in other stories about Mm -hmm. like either men's racing or like the best tires to use or something which people are interested in no hate but like you know it was hard to find and and actually, like, from then going to, around all the websites, all the newsletter, 
there were some weeks where I was just like guys come on like where is it like there was nothing and now every week we have loads of stuff to add so yeah even in this last two years of doing that like I have noticed like a massive jump in the amount of content about women cycling so that's very good to see and we're making some of it so exactly exactly it has been a a kind of stepping stone for for both of us I guess mm-hmm. um and so what were kind of like when you first started what were like the challenges and the the difficult parts well even not even just when you first started but in in the last two years what have been the hardest parts about putting out this weekly newsletter yeah I guess at the time I didn't really have much going on so doing it on a weekly basis when it was kind of like almost it wasn't always the only thing I had to do that week work-wise but um it was most of what I was doing so I could focus on it and I could you know really look for interesting stories because I also used to put in like I used to look for stories that were about women cycling outside of the um pro level stuff um that was also like timely that was a news item so I often end up on like local news sites uh and put in stories like I think I remember one last year or the year before where like someone was like riding a bike around town with like Christmas presents or something like that that kind of thing um which when I had loads of time was I didn't have any like it was great I loved doing it I had the time and then it was almost a bit of like a I don't know what the word is um but when I got more work through Women's Cycling Weekly in cycling it then became harder to put in as much effort and as much pay enough attention to the newsletter to go around collecting all the news all the articles all the other extra bits every single week like I'd get to Friday and I'd be like oh my god it's already Friday like I need to do the newsletter like and I felt really I felt this like responsibility, like, you know, having your own thing is great because you're your your own boss and you're the editor and you get to decide, you know, when it goes out, what goes in it. But when you commit to like, it's going out every Friday and people know it's coming that day, you feel awful if you don't deliver on that. Because there were a few times throughout the last couple of years where, especially last year, sort of middle of last year, I was really busy, like, you know and also I have a social life <laughs> and so like on a Friday if I've got plans and I've like got other things to do during the day and then I'm like trying to rush out this newsletter and and I was like I'd I'd feel bad because like it would be because I wasn't getting paid for it and I was getting paid for the other stuff that I had to do so I had to prioritize the paid work and I was kind of almost rushing the newsletter like slapping it together writing a really quick intro sometimes it was literally just like I'm really busy and tired this week enjoy um and just like sending it out and I just felt a bit like rubbish about that uh because I I wanted to put more effort into it and that's when I was like hey Tilda do you want to join uh so that's yeah I don't know how I could I don't actually don't think it would be anywhere near where it is now if I hadn't if you weren't on board because I would have just, I think, got sick of the, you know, you know, you think like weekly, it's, you know, it's only once a week, like how hard can it be? But when you've got a busy week leading up to it and you can't, 
like, you know, if I could sit there on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and slowly like piece it together, which is what I did in the beginning, then it would be fine. But when you've got a job, because I didn't, basically I didn't really have a job at the beginning and now I do. So, so yeah, I'd say that was the main challenge. Other than that, there's not really anything else that I can complain about with it. It's just, it's fun. It is. And I think it's kind of a testament that you you know some people could have because you know what when people start out in cycling and they start writing on like a blog or something like that or something unpaid and then they get a quote-unquote real job or start making actual money they kind of let the thing that they started in the first place die at the side a little bit but I think it really kind of proves the point of what you're trying to do with the newsletter and that it has value outside of just being something to do like it's, it wasn't just for your benefit and to get your name out there it is for everyone else as well so the fact that you continue with that whilst working and being busy I think is really cool yeah I didn't really like see it that way I like didn't feel like I, I I never felt like I had the option like you know it would have been really sad to just be like oh yeah this thing that's now you know it was st- it was still growing it was a lot of people were interested like cycling tips actually um were had been hosting it on there their website thanks to Kaylee um who quite early on actually was like hey we can how can we help which was really cool um so a lot of people had come over from there in fact actually I think a lot of people in the beginning thought it was cycling tips thing which so actually I'll tell you what here's a challenge that I've had that I forgot to mention I'm not very good at promoting things and like putting things out there and trying to grow it and make an effort to either look for support or kind of you know try and spread the word and stuff like that I'm not ironically before I was working in like copywriting like marketing no one ever gave me a job in that that is not what I meant to be doing like I shit at it um so yeah that is actually another challenge yeah that is hard I think we both still find that now um but yeah so then next story how did I come along (laughs) you can't see me doing a very angelic face on the zoom right now but yeah I mean let's see if our stories about this match up this isn't the interesting thing no actually yeah I was thinking about this because so Jez asked us how we met and my recollection so I feel like we had spoken before this Mm. but you got no Rose asked me about the bunny hop wasn't even you was it so then I met you the day I went down to London to film the bunny hop but had we met before had we spoken before yes we had had. so spoken or met we hadn't met before spoken okay um yeah, so I followed you since you started, went, since you like went to the Giro and all that, because I'm so tapped into women's cycling. This is on Twitter. And you never followed me back, which is fine. And then so you yeah, also... I hate Twitter, so. <laughs> yeah, and I was like being a beg, like every time you put the newsletter out, like retweeting it, being like, great newsletter this week. And you'd be like, thanks, still not going to buy you. <laughs> okay. um, anyway, so I was a big fan. And then you you followed me back in like March or something. And then um, if you remember... I was doing my dissertation at uni. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I put out a tweet yeah, about talking that was to people. Before. Yeah. So this is actually not the first time I'd, I've interviewed you because I put out this tweet being like, <laughs> talking to people who tried to make a career in cycling 
uh, or who were trying and you replied and we had a little zoom interview and some of it is in my dissertation so that's kind of where that started and I think you'd kind of been on our list of people to get on the bunny hop for a little while and Rose had got in touch with you and it was all lining up so I think when we had that zoom call I was like oh I hear that you might be coming over to do the bunny hop or you you're already coming over and then we're going to do that and then just kind of went from from there so you came and did it whilst I was doing the Tour de France I guess so in July June Um, June June 2021 is when we actually met and from my point of view we just hit it off straight away did the sparks were flying (laughs) I I totally forgot about that like yeah I yeah oh wow yeah and that was like yeah just before god that feels like a hundred years ago now yeah it feels like so long ago but yeah the bunny hop loved the bunny hop bring it back please I know yes now but hopefully hopefully um and so yeah and then yeah so that was June and then you asked me I think it was around the end of August because I, you asked me about it and I was like, oh yeah, like I'm really busy at the moment because I was doing, I was working on the Paralympics and then I was doing my dissertation and I was like, yeah, like maybe at the start of October or something. So that's it. And, but I remember I did, I com- compiled like the Paralympics results. Yes, you. you did. You started yeah. sending those over before. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, just like, so, like that is the most time consuming that was the part that was like cracking me about having to do it on top of everything else was like going through all the news writing a little excerpt of what it was going through all the results making sure I hadn't missed anything um and then getting emails from people like you haven't put in the local crit from (laughs) this one and like I just feel like look mate I'm one person um and then like yeah going through all the articles and it it, it took a while also I'm very I, I'm a procrastinator I'm not gonna lie um but yeah so that was the bit where I was like if I can like pay someone else to do this and I was getting into a position where I could so I was like I'll write the intro and do this and that and then if someone else like doesn't mind doing this then that's better off we can keep it going so yeah then you came along yeah and the rest is history almost but I do think it has been good hasn't it like it's funny I think people would underestimate how much work goes into the newsletter um across the week I mean now even more because we do the additional one and the podcast but even the the kind of core newsletter yeah the time it takes to get the things that we want and and the bits that people really like which are like your intro and stuff like that it does it takes a while and I think being able to share that means that like you get the both the best of both parts like you get to put a bit more effort into the intro and finding the articles and stuff and the results in the news are hopefully fairly comprehensive these days because I can pretty much focus on that so yeah I think it's been good I've certainly enjoyed it the last year have you that's good because I was like you have the I felt it made it sound like oh I just give the boring bits to the (laughs) the intern and I get to do the fun bits but no, we both do the fun bits now as well. So yeah, um, and so yeah, the the next step that the newsletter has taken is now we have obviously, as you are listening to us right now, not reading the newsletter. We have the podcast, and we also have a paid tier. 
is that kind of something that you ever saw like a direction you saw the newsletter going in or when did that kind of come across your radar or something that we could do uh first answer was no because I was just like fumbling about in the dark like trying to does that sound rude um is that, that just my brain um just trying to like figure it out and I was like I never thought it was going to grow into what it's grown into so I never thought like oh yeah I'll have my own podcast and because at the time as well actually kind of a big ish part of this that I've skipped is the fact that um so at the time like in terms of podcasts about women cycling like freewheeling was the podcast and um short like so started in November and by the classics the following season I was asked to go on freewheeling um it was to talk about because I'd written an opinion piece on the omelette prize money debacle um and then after that I was like became a fixture on there and then now you're on it too um so that was my introduction to podcasting like being on a podcast and before that I don't think it was ever something that I thought I wanted to really do because I don't know I just didn't think I was like I could do it um and then the paid stuff, I mean, obviously I was aware from the beginning that Substack had that as an option, but it from the beginning, like the whole concept of the newsletter was like distributing this information as widely as possible, which can only be done if it's free, really. Um, so, and it, I was toying with how to make it maybe profitable for both of us to like, you know, just make it worth our time a bit more and like not that it's not otherwise but just to kind of you know like make it its own thing a bit and like add value mm. to us for our own the time and effort we're putting in um but it wasn't until we both kind of sat down I think it was like June this year we had a bit of a zoom call um and we were like what sh- how should we do this what should we do and came up with a few ideas um but yeah, it took a while to get to that point. And then the podcast was, again, something we'd been vaguely talking about and thinking about probably not not since like this year. So like in the first year that it existed, it was literally just like, this is free, like we're just doing the newsletter. It goes out every Friday. You know what you, you're getting kind of thing. But I think it's normal to, and I think it's better to gradually grow these things. Not that I'm any so. expert on that. But yeah, even from the time that we had that conversation, we kind of marinated on that for a little while even until we launched the first like paid stream and now the podcast. And it's like we're still very much like in the development phase, I would say, of all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like I'll be really interested to see in like a year's time when we're sat here on three years, like what what it looks like, what we're doing. Um, Will domination has been achieved or not? So yeah, we've got a Slack. We're so official. Yeah. I don't know why I'm so excited about the Slack. I just, it feels like an actual work thing. It feels like we really are taking it seriously, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Even though we still mostly just WhatsApp each other. But at least we have a a semblance of some, because this is the the thing as well that everyone should remember. We were actually friends first. (laughs) (laughs) This is not just a purely professional relationship, I hope. We do actually... You know, we can keep our personal messages in, in WhatsApp, talk work there, you know, which is, it's a funny thing. Like, and it also makes sometimes, this, like, especially doing the podcast and 
all these conversations that we have about the future of it like it doesn't always feel like work because well most of the time because we're just chatting about something completely unrelated but you know (laughs) it's it's nice to be doing something that's like both a passion project and you're doing it with someone who is your close friend oh I actually just wish I could block you to be honest (laughs) but no it's yeah it doesn't (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it doesn't feel like work most of the time which is good and uh yeah I guess we I don't mind you in real life you're right you just stayed at my house so that counts for something yeah hopefully you're never coming back though you're not invited okay okay fine fine so (laughs) you know this is what our relationship is like like I think from how Amy bullies me in the blog in the newsletter you understand that it it, this is the one thing though I did realize recently that um a lot of people did genuinely think I was some sort of intern or that I was was kind of coming up in the world and on free willing I was like a little a little work experience guest or something (laughs) so let it be said that that's not true no I know I'm I'm a year or so behind people like Amy but um this is also my job (laughs) (laughs) Dilda's a better writer than me like no she does way more work than I do and yeah it's probably got her life together more than me and I'm like four years older than her so definitely not just like a random intern person that I've just that you found on the street fresh out of (laughs) (laughs) out of the street I've adopted her like a puppy from a shelter yeah that is is definitely the impression some people have so (laughs) go back to this for clarification anytime you start thinking that I'm like fresh out well, of school you know what there's actually something nice in that where you are then able to like you know make some mistakes no one's like, oh yeah yeah like people are very impressed by how good I am and I'm like oh, <laughs> because you think that I'm like extremely unexperienced but actually that's not true so maybe I should just take it yeah just roll with it it's better than people being like why did you say that <laughs> I don't know but yeah so I feel like we've kind of gone through the story of the podcast a little bit. Should we get into a couple of questions from our lovely readers? Yeah, let's do it. So we asked our readers to ask us some questions because we wanted to know what they wanted to know. Wow. Did I really just phrase that that way? Yes, I did. This is why you need to present <laughs> the podcast, not me. Um, and yeah some people were very kindly obliging on that front actually if you're listening to this and you read the newsletter and you don't ever like you know tell us anything or comment on it that's absolutely fine I'm all for lurking I'm a lurker myself uh but sometimes it's cool when people just comment literally anything just be like hate you all or like I don't know no don't say that so but, anything but like yeah interact with us on that note we are going to figure out Substack's new chat feature oh yeah is that what it's called the chat yes, feature it is um which is a bit more interactive than like you know having to leave a comment because sometimes when, when there's no comments down there and it's just you leaving a comment you feel a bit like exposed I get it um you can also reply I don't know if people know that they can just reply in private to the newsletter so it just comes into my inbox so if you want to reply and be like you know just anything just say hi have a yeah, chat and don't have any questions like, don't feel like you yeah. can't talk to us directly because we feel like when we send a newsletter out it's personally going to everyone's newsletters news to everyone's inboxes, inboxes. <laughs> it feels like you know it's personal on our yeah. side and so it is almost like 
it's not just us sending out into the world it's me sending you an email so yeah it's definitely it's what I like about the newsletter as well it's that little and we love y'all connection we do the comments that we do get we have a lot of people who comment regularly and we love them we love hearing your thoughts yes and these are the people who have asked us questions um so they're our faves so if you want to be our fave you have to have to do that um anyway that was a tangent and also I would add to that um if you're if you follow the newsletter and you're like I want to write about cycling too but I didn't know how to do it you can always ask us Mm -hmm. like ask us it's not because I was in that sort of position before with with sort of writing and I just thought oh like I don't know how to get into that like it's probably really really hard and difficult and hard and difficult mean the same thing and why am I a writer again um and you know there's loads of barriers but it's not like that and if you want all the secrets we've got them so ask away and we will never gatekeep them no we will open those gates forever yes we will um anyway yeah let's let's crack on with these questions shall we yeah all right um i'm gonna ask you the questions okay i'm presenting i'm I'm taking back the reins (laughs) um (laughs) so cornelia wants to know what continuing storyline have you found the most interesting to cover across this year she says personally i'm always keeping an eye on canyon and hoping for new Joma's next win same girl uh second what women's sports do you follow outside of cycling which i think you're in a better position to answer than me so go with the first one first. so stories that i've enjoyed covering well this is the funny thing is that um as a freelancer you don't usually get like a little beat but there are a couple of things that people have kind of come back to me uh, with on this year number one thing is my favorite team the roland cajas Edelweiss <laughs> team <laughs> which somehow I became the resident expert on in cycling news um and that has been an interesting thing like it's it, it is interesting to get to know one team and one setup in in a deeper way and especially one that other people don't know much about that you can then share some of your expertise on so that has been like professionally one thing that I have enjoyed covering and it's nice to have something that's like your story um but the answer I actually wrote down when I was looking through these was um because kind of watching the riders who are developing and up and coming um some of the riders who are moving up to the world tour this year or had a bit of a breakup this year so riders like Misha Bredevold and Femke Marcus who are off to SD Works but then also riders like Alfave, um, Ali Wollaston, who's done really well. And actually, the deeper I get into women's cycling, like those are the stories that interest me more. Like it, Anamique winning all three Grand Tours is like, that's a great story. But I definitely find the kind of slightly, I don't want to say lower level, but a different tier of cycling a little more interesting not we love just an the, underdog story we do we do and the and riders who like come up and do really well not just the riders who are always doing well and then do well um and you can really see them go on a journey like if you if you kind of follow the career of someone who's like 21 now in a few years time you'd be like oh wow like I've really watched a lot of their career um and I think that is very enjoyable but before we get to the other question what's your answer about the storylines well you nicked mine because I was gonna say <laughs> like following the young riders that have been coming through the ranks like for all the reasons you've just explained you know like, and and riders that have kind of like you know the ones that seem to kind of come out of nowhere for one mm. season they just like blaze the trail and then like that's it from there they like carry on going 
um like Sylvia Persico um you know after coming third at Cross Wales earlier in the year and then um getting some really good results in on the road too like following riders like her coming through and like Olivia Barriel um and people like that um I really like just yeah seeing like like you say just seeing riders who aren't the animiques and demis of the peloton um but to give a different answer just like seeing the myriad ways that people have tried to beat animique this year at the opposite end of that spectrum just yeah and and seeing people come like a little bit closer um apart from at the tour de france um you know and then the the season kind of ending with her actually getting beaten by ashley moore and Passio, although obviously the caveat being that Anamique was just recovering or still had a broken wrist and just got back from Australia, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, the rising level of the peloton, I suppose, the depth, increasing depth. Mm. So yeah, I can't answer this. Well, I can, I can try, but you go first. What what women's sports do you follow outside of cycling? Well, my number one is women's football. And I'm actually off to the women's football tonight to watch my team play because I love it. Um, which is this is the funny thing like this is like only in my own head but in the last couple of years I've gotten much more into sports and new sports outside of cycling because it used to be I really only watched cycling but I've kind of got much more into, into new things but I've kind of in my mind had a little commitment to like only get into sports where you can also get into the women's side of it if that makes sense I'm not sure that fully makes sense but yeah I'm I'm not that interested in getting into like a hundred new men's sports and I think women's sports regardless of the sport have really interesting stories like I'm not a massive rugby fan but paying attention to the women's rugby world cup that just happened has been really really fascinating and yeah it's 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 almost like becoming its own thing this whole umbrella of women's sports which is not just which particular ones you like but the growing movement of of um women's sports kind of getting better and bigger but yeah football is my main one I love a bit of tennis as well and so yeah and then obviously obviously we've got the downhill and mountain biking but that's cycling so let's not talk about that but yeah women's football is my big one so and then in the UK everyone is getting on the women's football bandwagon after England not my team but I appreciate them won the Euros so it's it's a good one to be into at the moment and there's just something so fun about women's sport that you don't always get from men's sport totally agree with that last statement however I think I need to do a you and make a conscious effort to get into other sports because Mm. honestly outside of the various disciplines of cycling that I follow which are you know I follow a few now like you know it's still cycling but I got into mountain biking a lot more this year and I've really enjoyed following that um but yeah I'm just really not you know what like before I got into cycling I just wasn't about like following sports like mm. at all really like um and I think there's something specific we were talking about this the other day with cycling is that a lot of the people who follow it are actually riders themselves in, in some yeah. capacity which you don't really get you know with football like you've got Dave with yeah. his beer belly eating a pie like maybe he does a little kick around with his mates at the weekend but you know what I mean like people tend to get into cycling because they do it themselves like following it as a sport which that's that was definitely what I did and before that it was like you know I used to run a bit like I'm, I've always been active but in terms of like following 
sports or having a team and like my family aren't really about that either like my dad doesn't like football like so yeah maybe maybe 2023 is the year that I pick a sport and follow that as well I don't know what it'll be frisbee I don't know let's go but it's good is though that a, and I is think... that a real thing um sort of I think I'll get frisbee. <laughs> but it oh yeah that's what I'm I... going for I do find it's good like I do love cycling and I still enjoy watching it and it's still my favorite sport but it is very good to have a sport that you like that is not the one you work in <laughs> you know mm-hmm. that you can just go and be fully biased about one team and against whoever um and have disclaimer I'm of... biased anyway <laughs> <laughs> but yeah have have the full fan experience and you know I'm not you know I don't sit there watching Reading Women thinking oh my god like what's what's my take here what's the analysis I'm just enjoying it as a fan, which I think is good. Well, then you don't work hard enough, do you? Because you should all, everything is copy, Tilda. <laughs> everything is content. Very true. Yes. So yeah, that's my goal. Then I'll make that a New Year's resolution. I'll get into a different sport for next year. But Exciting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Then we've answered the questions from Cornelia. Thanks, Cornelia, for asking those. Uh, next up is Jez. So Jez asked us how we met. So we've already answered that question um we went on a blind date go back and listen if you missed that one <laughs> that was like shut up um how did I become so yeah he says Amy how did you become a pro and for how long the answer is nobody ever paid me to ride a bike nobody Ugh. like I was not pro I was I mean, very rubbish some of us. look I rode for like a team or a few teams but nobody I would not describe it as pro. I did one pro level race, like one UCI race. It was my first one and my last one. And it was Valencia. I got my head absolutely kicked in. I got ill. I wrote about this for Cycling Tips, actually. Um, I was not pro. I was a slightly, slightly above average amateur, I would say, at best. Uh I'd, I'd lived that was basically what all I did for a while um alongside I, te- I taught English a little bit in Spain and I worked at Waitrose in the UK when I was there um very glamorous life very um but yeah I was never pro sadly or for the better I think actually sorry to burst the bubble that answers that question yeah yeah I don't think I've ever actually said I was pro. I just must give the impression because I say I used to race and people assume it was pro, but... And you do have a pro cycling stats page. Everyone go and look that up. It's a good read. Oh, I do, actually. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there's there's so much to see. So much to see. (laughs) They've linked on my Instagram and my Twitter, though, which is... uh, Interesting. But anyway. Uh, Anyway, moving on. Um, His other question is... Um, when Anamik retires, who will be the rider to beat? Will it be the age of Demi or will the young upstarts come to spoil the party? Mm, what do you think? This is a hard one, eh? It's, I think, I think Demi ultimately will be the rider to beat, but I don't think she's going to be Anamik levels of unbeatable, if that makes sense. Like, she is undeniably going to be the top, the top rider uh, in kind of 2024 onwards, I would imagine. 
but I don't think she is miles and miles ahead of everyone else. And riders like Cassia and Cecilia Ludwig, Liana Lippert, and riders coming up like Sylvia Persico, and even like Nifa Shabak, her own teammate, I think will be there to give her a real run for her money. And she won't be ru- running away with it like Anamik does. I think it will be a much more open race. Yeah, I agree. I don't... I don't foresee there being like a rider to beat in the same way that Anamique is. Um, again, really, like I think she, she's such a head and shoulders above everybody else to such an extent that I think she's like a once in a lifetime thing. And I think it's not just to do with her own level. I think the riders that are coming up behind her, like the playing field is far more level because of the increase of resources and money and now riders can you know live off the sport in a way that they couldn't really do before so I think yeah it'll become much more even um which can only be a good thing I think yeah 100% I mean we we're all very impressed by what Anamique does but the best races are the ones that are much more level uh question from Dan what do you all see as the areas where women's cycling journalism has the most room to improve what does that look like and I'll save the second part of this question, actually, for when we've answered the first part. Um, I think the biggest area for improvement, I think there just needs to be more. I think there needs to be more people, more more voices, because at the minute we were talking about this, you know, we get asked a lot to do stuff, but it shouldn't all be coming from the same people. Like, I'd love to see more people kind of specialise in in it um and hear some different perspectives and different voices and um new ideas yeah I think yeah that's literally my answer to you because I think where we are at the moment with the cycling journalism that there is in terms of quality like it's excellent and like variety you can get different things and the quality is there and all the races are being covered and there's podcasts and blogs and all of this but I think there needs to be more of it and and I think for me some of that comes down to like then what publications will cover and that it doesn't have to be kind of one of the top 10 riders in the world for it to be an interesting story because you see with the men's side they'll cover people and have interviews and profiles of people that are relatively under the radar but because it's men's cycling it's like that's what they do so I think we, when we can kind of cover the the nitty gritty a little bit more mm-hmm. um that would be good the one thing I do wish we had more of um is like on the ground presence and people actually being at races and particularly in terms of like tv broadcasts and stuff like stuff from the ground from races instead of just essentially watching a stream from the organizer having something that's a bit more produced like places like Eurosport and GCN do for the bigger men's races it would be great to see that not just for the Tour de France fans for example but for the classics and the Giro and stuff like that and just have yeah a bit more of a of a presence in that sense and I, I do think that's the direction we're going in but yeah just building it more and more and so that we're not the only two people that get asked to do things and if we say no no one can do it so yeah again this comes back to the point that if you want to get into women's cycling the time is now and we would love to have you on board Absolutely. Um, and the second part of this question says, 
When will Amy truly get to dive into long-form writing and Tilda into a serial-style podcast? WCW dominance, dominance is on the horizon, or perhaps it's already there. Well done. It's definitely already there. We are dominating everything. No, it's not. We we do joke that world domination is the uh, the end goal of this podcast, this newsletter. But yeah, uh, to answer that question, I think, well, Wednesday's subscriber-only content was long form from me. Um, I just have to really be in the right frame of mind for that stuff. I love doing it, but sometimes I feel a bit stressed out and like I've got too much going on and I can't just sit down and do it. Like, I, I need a broom up my bum to do proper writing. I was going to say arse, but we can say arse, can't we? Okay, maybe I'll just change that. I need a rocket up my ass for that. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll do more of that sort of thing next year. I think next year when there's racing again, when there's more to talk about, because we kind of just started branching this out towards the end of the season. And, I, you know, we missed the kind of wave of like the Tour de France and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to being able to do that next year. Um a serial style podcast. I don't. I don't know what that means. What What does that mean, Tilda? When are you going to? Well, yeah, a little investigation. Is that what I should do? That would be fun. Like eh? true crime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> should we I write can't... a cycling murder mystery? Oh my gosh, yeah. But but no, I think to the wider point, like we have spoken a lot about like how far we can take this, and a lot of it depends on growth and things like subscribers and we were we were working out the other day how many subscribers we'd need to be able to do this like part-time slash full-time and it is a lot let's be honest about that fact but it's something that's on our mind and in the current climate of like journalism domination and growing this as far as it can go kind of is in our horizons well we're not not thinking about it if that doesn't make sense if that makes sense yeah we're not going to be the new the new cycling tips this time next year but is cycling tips going to be cycling tips this time next year? Anyway. But yes, we but like the only way our is own that... thing and our own freedom and being our own editors. So yeah. And if there's anything that you, the one thing as well we always talk about is that we can cover whatever we want to cover because there's no editor to say, no, that's too boring or no one cares or whatever like that. Because people do care about women's cycling. But in that vein, if there's any stories that you come across or that you would like, you think we'd be interested in or people you'd like to see on the podcast you can always again just let us know we would love to explore and um explore avenues in that way and the more the bigger we get the more chance we've got of getting marina voss and people like that on because let me tell you it's not that straightforward <laughs> when you're no. a small fry no it's certainly not so a little bit of clout would definitely help us yes yeah uh last question comes from david who says what bike ride or cycling accomplishment are you most proud slash satisfied with or just like to talk about? Then he says, in public, with a cheeky little emoji, of course, which I am not sure what that <laughs> implies. Um, ah, this one's hard. Have you thought about this one? Have you got an answer for this? I have. I'll go first because mine's not right. very impressive. Oh, mine the truth even. is... I'm not a very accomplished cyclist <laughs> and I wouldn't even necessarily call myself a cyclist. I have a bike, which I ride. Am I a cyclist? Probably not. Um, but one thing I think about is when we, me and my dad went to the Tour de France in 2016, we cycled up one of the final climbs in Andorra 
and that felt like massive to me at the time it wasn't even that long it wasn't even that hard and we started relatively far up because we were staying on the climb but I did it and I cycled up an actual mountain once in my life and then got severely rained and held on and it was very unpleasant but I did it and that to me you know I wish I had a story of you like oh yeah I like cycled up tap Mount Tidy in 40 minutes or something like that <laughs> but I don't <laughs> but yeah that's one thing that I always think of I'm I'm not my problem is is that I'm not like obsessed with being a very good cyclist I like to cycle for fun and transport essentially so I don't really have any great stories but that is one that I am proud of doing mate those mountains are difficult like then long and you no, know, that's not a minor achievement the first time I rode up mountain I was used to riding in like the peak district where your longest hill is like three to six minutes maybe and I just went at it like a pig at a tater and I blew up what a surprise so yeah when you're not used to it it's hard mm. um oh, but this honestly I struggle with these questions because so like Johnny asked me for cycling tips the other day to like recall my most embarrassing moment on a ride and I prefaced it with I can't even remember what I did last week like I'm my memory is awful I am so bad at like pinpointing like one moment of something and being like, yeah, that's the defining thing. So I find these questions hard, but I would say it's probably just, to be honest, on a in a broader sense, it's any time I get out now, like just actually getting out on the bike and just doing it because it's not my priority. I'm not training. I'm not doing it for any reason other than just to do it. So I pat myself on the back a bit every time I go. Um, especially if it's rubbish weather in the UK, which I do do sometimes. Now I'm soft and live, live in Spain. Um, but probably when I first just went and entered a race and I was just like, let's just do this. And it was awful. And I got dropped almost immediately. It was a crit. Um, I looked like a small boy in my kit on my bike that was like set up all kinds of wrong um, but I went and did it and then I had fun and that's it. And that's what it's about. Um, it's not about being the best ever. It's just about getting out there, which is to kind of return to the original stuff about the origins of this newsletter. Like that's why I wanted to include non-pro cycling stuff because it's not just about the people who are the best of the best. It's about the people that just go out and do it because they love it. And um just getting you know more women into the sport more women on bikes if that's what they want to do so yeah don't have anything to show off about really it's definitely not I can tell you my least proud moment is probably DNF in Valencia and sitting in the hotel bar drinking a beer with my friend Molly in front of Ina Tuttenberg and Georgia Bronzini but you know what there we go that was the end of one chapter and the start of a new one it oh mate what a way to wrap oh, i'm just so good on that note call me the next anton deck. anton deck is that where you went with that yeah do they even yeah. have a do they even do podcasts like or would you no be, no no have you just revealed some desire to become a tv presenter um maybe liminally that's what you're thinking about because you could have come up with any radio presenter, podcaster, no, Anton Deck. 
both yeah. of them at once. Okay, if I was to say that again, I would probably go Terry Wogan. Wow. But, okay. but you know what? I went first film. first shot, first people I can think know. of. But you know what? The problem is, is that wasn't even the first person I thought of. For some reason, the first person I thought of was Cilla Black. Not <laughs> sure why. Again, very rogue answer. Very I'm rogue. Well, see, you're loving a regional accent here. You've got oh, yeah. From... Yeah. Oh, it's because they're Geordies. Tilda loves a Geordie. <laughs> In every sense of the word, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I do love a Geordie. So, yeah, I'm going to affect a Geordie accent and become a TV presenter. That's how I'm telling you. There won't be any three years anniversary because I'll be off presenting extra slice or something. (laughs) Well, good luck to you. Thank you. But on that note, what a two years it has been. A journey for me, for you. (laughs) Um, And here's to the next two years. And I guess a big thank you has to go out to everyone who has subscribed, commented, listened, shared, downloaded um in those two years we really appreciate you and we wouldn't but also couldn't do it without you yep absolutely everything tilda just said thanks to everyone for supporting from the beginning or if you just got here i don't care like yeah it's just it's amazing to have just like you know started this thing out of the blue and it becomes something like it's yeah hopefully this podcast wasn't too like self-congratulatory and navel gazing I did worry but I don't know I think I hope not I think yeah hopefully it's interesting yes but yes hopefully people did ask us questions we gave the answers they did there we are um and if you liked this podcast you know what to do I'm gonna be that person who sits there at the end of the podcast and says if you could subscribe that would be amazing because then it comes directly into your little feed of whatever and it does make a difference download the thing give it a like or whatever you do these days why did I just sound like someone's nan you know leave a review all of that anyway yeah bye (laughs) we will see you next week thanks bye I'm just